we are live. Welcome everybody to another session of, I guess, cold calling live. Today we got a special guest with us, Mr. Woodward. Greg Woodward's back in the house. Hello, hello. Woodward Strategies. Thanks for having me. And uh, today we've got uh, an opportunity to go through your what you're calling BS. You're going to talk some BS today. That's uh, right. Your BS framework. And this came up for those of you who have tuned in for our stop, stop, start, stop, repeat sessions. Uh, last time we we had some folks get into the, I guess we call it like the monologue or the longer section of your your scripts, the the meat and potatoes, your value pitch, whatever you want to call it. And I had mentioned that Woodward had a really awesome framework that I'd recently been trying out with some success. And I thought, hey, why don't we just bring in the man, the myth, the legend uh, to talk <laughs> about it today. And um, so the first part of the show today, we're going we're gonna to walk through his framework, uh, introduce the concept. And then, of course, as always, anyone who's here, uh, feel free to chat and quite your questions in as it goes. Uh, if we have some volunteers, we'll have some folks come in and, and walk through their framework and maybe how we can workshop uh, some of the things we learned today into your actual script. And then we'll we'll keep uh, a few minutes at the end for some Q&A. So Woodward, for those who don't know you, brief introduction, who is Woodward and what are you up to? And then we'll get right into your framework today. Yeah. Uh, Woodward Strategies is a sales training company based in Washington, D.C. Um, I work with companies in 13 countries uh, training their sales teams, focusing on inbound and outbound I don't deal with closing, so it's early part of the sales process. Um, what we're going to get into today is is really going to be focusing on that that part of the process where you're making cold calls, you're making follow up calls, um, to, to you know to bring people into the pipeline. Amazing! And uh, yeah. if you haven't uh, stumbled across Woodward, he actually is one of my top outbound sales strategists, consultants, trainers, uh, I believe a lot in what he believes uh, in the stuff that he trains and recently just launched an individual program. So if you're at a company that uh, maybe isn't invested in your own training, um, Woodward has a fast track program you might be interested in too. So uh, check out Woodward, what you hear today. So uh, let's get into the BS framework, Woodward. What is this thing? Um, is, it, is it what it sounds like or? What are we talking about? Well, it, 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 I wish it was what it sounds like. Something, is it? <laughs> no. Have you ever, um, let, let me back it up a bit. And I was thinking about this yesterday. Um, people can relate to this. Have you ever asked somebody what they do, you know, in a casual conversation where, you know, you're just making conversation and they get into this like monologue that has too much detail. They're just talking too much about it. You know, they started over explaining it and it starts to sound more like a corporate sort of pitch than anything. I think that's probably yeah. happened to most people. Um, that's the same exact thing happens when you have a lot to get through on a cold call. And there's a point where the prospect starts to think about something else. Just like if you ask somebody what they do and they start over explaining it, there's a point where you, your mind goes, just tell me what you do in one word and we just have another conversation. That's not really, I don't really care. When that happens, the call is over. So it's the same thing. So when the moment the prospect starts to think about something else on a cold call, because you're talking too much and it's starting to look like a familiar pattern, what happens is the moment that they start thinking about something else, they prepare themselves to deflect. And, you know, as a, as a sales rep, sometimes you kind of have to get through 
a little bit. And sometimes it's a little technical depending on who your persona is. And what we're going to show you is a way to um, be able to not take anything out of that script, but make it more digestible for the prospect using the word, but in the word, so strategically. And what those words actually do, and I'm going to show you what those words actually do is pull the prospect back into the conversation. The moment they start to drift away from it, pulls them back in, pulls them back in. And what it does is it makes the, it makes what you're saying sound more digestible and sound like it's, it's less than it actually is. Yeah. And the reason why I really enjoy this is because especially with a cold call, it's difficult for you to get through in the first place lots of times. And this other piece is actually having them hear what you have to say before, you know, getting the proverbial stiff arm, right? Like I yeah. like to say you get. And um, so there's lots of tactics that you can use to break up the conversation earlier on, you know, in your intro, uh, you're starting to establish this two-way dialogue, but I've struggled a lot with, all right, well, once I get into that real permission, the, the magic words we're looking for, it's like, okay, well, what do you do? Yeah. I, I really, I, historically, I've struggled with making that short and concise. And, and maybe that's just because I'm not a wordsmith. And I think a lot, a lot of reps struggle with this. It's okay. Now I've got my potential shot. They've asked me what I do. How do I actually get through enough information where one, they're hearing me, but two, they actually understand the why um, so that I can get that in front of them and get out without prolonging this too long. And, and again, getting shut down because I've over fried the eggs. And yeah. so, um, so this framework, when you showed it to me a couple weeks ago, I was really excited about trying it out and, and it seems to really work. And so I'm excited to take a step back and, and have you introduce this to this group, um, because there's some psychology built into it. Uh, and I'm not sure if the screen share is going to work for you, Woodward, but if you want to pull up, um, what this is and maybe the examples around how this works with and without it. And uh, this will help set the stage for today's conversation. Are you able to see my screen? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to show it to you like this. This is without it. Okay. This is a cold call. We're going to use the one we used before, Ryan. This is phone ready leads. Perfect. Um, I want everybody to, that's listening to this clear their head real quick and literally picture yourself as the prospect picking up the phone. So you're caught off guard and I'm going to read the script. Ryan's going to be the prospect. And I want you to pay real close attention to where in this script you start to think about something else, okay? Where you start to pull away from it a little bit, okay? Ryan, answer the phone. Hey, this is Ryan. Hi, uh, Ryan. My name's Greg Woodward. You're not expecting my call. In fact, I think it's actually the first time we've spoken. Uh, do you mind if I take a half a minute to share why I called and you can tell me if it's relevant? Uh, go ahead. What's up? Okay. Okay. For context, Ryan, I see that Nuco has sales reps. And the reason I'm calling, I wanted to share some information about a service we're providing for industrial companies that reduces the number of calls it takes to get a prospect on the phone. For example, in your space right now, it takes reps an average of 35 calls to speak with someone. And what we do cuts that down to about four calls. If I can ask, are your reps using the phone to prospect for new business? Okay. Where did you lose me? Right around, send some information, share some information. By the time you said that, you know, I was starting to wander a little bit. So, uh, you know, I got peaked a little bit more when you, when you mentioned providing it for a vertical of companies, but now all of a sudden it's like, okay, when's this guy going to get to it? It started to prolong a little bit for me. 
Okay, so you, you get some sirens in the background here. So you lost me in you lost me in sort of the beginning of my monologue. Yeah. Okay, that's when you started to pull away from it. Okay, I'm going to do it again, and all I'm going to do is add the words "but" and "so." This is the BS. I'm going to add the BS, and I want you to clear your head if you're listening to this, and pay attention to how these words pull you back into the conversation and how it makes what I'm saying, which is the same exact words. I'm actually using more words in this example, how it makes it feel more digestible. Ryan, answer the phone. Hey, this is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. My name is Greg Woodward. You're not expecting my call. In fact, I think it's actually the first time we've spoken. Uh, do you mind if I take a half a minute to share why I called and you can let me know if it's relevant? Yeah, you got, uh, you got 30 seconds. What's up? <laughs> okay. For context, Ryan, I see that Nuco has sales reps. But the reason for my call, I wanted to share some information about a service that we're providing for industrial companies that reduces the number of calls it takes to get a prospect on the phone. So, for example, in your space right now, it takes reps an average of 35 calls to speak with someone. And what we do cuts that down to about four calls. But if I can ask, are your reps using the phone to prospect for new business? Feel a little different, doesn't it? It really does. And I don't know. I'm curious to hear the uh the audience here uh, feel free to chat it in here but that especially that first but for me because that's mm -hmm. where i that's where i was getting lost in the first place all of a sudden it piques my interest that you know yeah it, it uh, right when you start to drift back that pulls you back in it's, it's sort of like you're just pulling them right back in and it cuts it up you know so the reps that use this one of your reps is using this and you know they're just like i can't believe how incredibly effective this is so try it out it, it is, you can take any script that you're using and, and just insert these, you know, the butts and the so's followed by a very short pause before you continue. It just cuts it up, makes it digestible. The other thing I want to call out that's unrelated to the butts and so's. Okay, the, the goal of this script here is to get the conversation started in a way where the, where the prospect has proper context about what you want to talk about. Okay, like they have relevant clarity. And you're able to get them talking with an open-ended question. But this question down here, the first question that I ask, after I give them the proper context, they know exactly what this is about. I don't care what the answer to this question is. I don't care. Ryan, go ahead and say no to me for that. Uh, no, uh, cold calling's dead. Okay, you, so your reps aren't using the phone to prospect at all? No, not no. at all. Do, do you want them to be? I mean, no one picks up. No one picks they up don't. <laughs> so now I'm having a conversation. So if you say yes to that or no to that, like the conversation is still going to continue because what I'm going to do now is I'm going to, I'm going to mirror back what you said to me. And then I'm going to keep asking you more open-ended questions because the reality of it is if the prospect actually said to me, no, I don't want them to, then they're not a prospect anyway. They're just not right. because if they don't want their reps to be cold calling, then we don't have anything to talk about. Um, so it saves everybody a lot of time because I didn't invest a lot of time into this, but most of the time, most, most of the time, the answer to that question is going to be yes, you know, that they want them to, I don't care what the answer is if they are doing it is. So this first question that you ask has to be a question where you don't care what the answer is because when they give you an answer, you listen to it, you mirror it back. And then you ask them another question. The next question you ask to the prospect feels specific and tailored to them based on what they just told you. Now you're having a conversation. So you want to continue asking these open-ended questions that are also qualification questions. And then you want to move the conversation to giving them some examples, call value and story form, and then work them to the call to action, you know, naturally, 
make it sort of a natural segue. And that's, that's really what the motion is. It's you're dancing around in here, qualification questions, value and story form, and you're moving the prospect down to call to action, which is now at this point, I move here when it feels like a natural conclusion for both of us. That's the, that's the, the motion itself. There's a question that's streamed in here that I think is interesting because it's, it's true in a lot of uh, conversations when you might be apologizing to somebody or uh, trying to make a statement in a, in a uh, dispute or an argument. Uh, Patrick had said he's been told that using but means everything you said before that is false. <laughs> and and that, that's how I've taken that historically again. And if it's like in an argument or an apology, hey, yeah. you know, so on and so forth. Da, da, da. But let me make my point again. What are your, yeah. what are your thoughts on, on that's the power right on. of I mean, that word? Right? The, the word is so powerful because it negates everything that came before it um, and allows you to focus the conversation on what comes after it. So that I agree with that. Um, but where it's actually really uh, strategic on a cold call is yes, it will negate what comes before it. But if what came before it is a diffusing statement, right? A statement that either acknowledges resistance that the prospects put up, like, uh, you know, we don't have the bandwidth for that right now. If I said, look, I, right now, it, it sounds like you don't have the bandwidth. I understand that, but I still get the benefit of diffusing the prospect, even though I've negated the words that I said. So when you use that word after a diffusing statement, and then you continue the conversation by asking an open-ended question, it's, it's extremely effective on a cold call. And the reason why that is, is because you're dealing with an emotional decision process. Most of the objections and the resistance that you get, most of the objections you get are going to come in the form of resistance, but most of it is emotional because the prospect doesn't know enough about you, your product, your solution, or what you're even talking about to have a logical objection most of the time. So you don't want to try and solve that. So you can use a diffusing statement, the word, but, and then you can ask an open-ended question. The goal is to get the prospect talking. The more they talk, the more insight you get as to things you can grab onto to make this more and more relevant to them and to tailor the conversation to them. And the truth is, is, you know, all of this sounds kind of complicated if you're hearing it for the first time, but it's not. You just take a piece of paper and you write down three qualification questions on one side of the paper and you write down one or two examples of value and story form on the other. And you use those qualification questions which are open-ended more than a yes or no answer that, you know, they require more than a yes or no answer to get the prospect talking. And then the moment that it feels appropriate, you say, look, that's interesting. The reason I asked you that we actually, we do work with another client in your space and what they were able to do, boom. And then you immediately ask another question to get them talking more. And you say, look, go back to the resistance. Look, I understand that you told me up front that this, you don't really have a lot of bandwidth right now. I get that. Um, but because of so grab onto something they said, um, I, I don't think it would be a waste of your time if we could set up a time to chat, at least it'll, it'll provide you with enough insight as to what you can be doing this quarter, but, and also we'll have informed down the road if, if it makes sense for us to have a longer conversation, would, would you be open to doing that? That's how you do it. I mean, the reality of it is, is I didn't, I didn't try and solve whatever the resistance was. I just acknowledged it and I got the prospect talking. That's it. It's not so much everything before it was false it it's a natural it's a natural shift from a break in the conversation yeah. right so it can be used for diffusing it can be for you know everything i said up until that point was just you know for you to hear me now i really want to make my statement and i yeah. think that that's you know it's it, it, within context that's why it's so powerful and you know strategically placing that with your other concept of this relevant clarity i said mm -hmm. that right again 
I always get that wrong. You got it right that time. You're you're trying to, (laughs) again, it's an interruption, especially if it's a cold call. I don't know who the heck you are. I'm trying to break through, okay, this is a person. It's a human. They want to talk about this. And now I'm actually listening to the, the stages of the conversation necessary so that you can get into that open discussion. Mm-hmm. And I think the key here too is that open-ended or series of open-ended questions that don't put you into a, a hole. Yeah. You know, a lot of times reps will come up with questions that basically, you know, get them stuck. Like, oh, I guess, I guess we can't go anywhere. So yeah. the point you made at the end is that one question that you're going to ask, and and I'm always armed with that too. If if I could just ask one question, that's once you can have that nailed, uh, where you don't care about the answer of that one question, but it sets the the next set of the context for the discussion. That's super powerful, and you you just walk through an exercise where you might be able to identify how to really set this up for success. So. You're going to have three open-ended questions on one mm-hmm. side and then two value uh, value stories on the other side. And you're trying to bring those two together um, in, in so like spend, a, spend the time, a journey. Spend yeah. the time planning out your questions and stick to the questions that you planned out. If you don't do that, if you don't do that and you, you don't really put the thought into that, you're going to, you know, in the moment, you might wind up asking a dumb question that boxes you out. You might ask yeah. a question which... The answer to it just shuts the conversation down. Yeah. I hear this all the time when I listen to call recordings. And you know, all you have to do to fix that is just to spend however long it takes to write down a list of really, really quality open-ended questions that are also um, qualification questions, meaning you need to ask, you need to know the answers to these anyway to advance the sales process. All that does is get the prospect talking in a way that's incredibly relevant to you. And, and that's exactly what you want to do here. Um, at the beginning of the call, you know, since Ryan got it right this time, and called it relevant clarity as opposed to, I think, I forget what you called it last time. Um, I'll, I'll go Something. ahead and just recap that. I mean, what that is, is when somebody picks up the phone, even if it's a follow-up call, when somebody picks up the phone and you do this too, and you pay attention next time you pick up the phone, you don't know who it is. Your brain's doing this. Your brain starts to spin around in a feedback loop on overdrive. And what it's doing is it's trying to figure out if, if, if this is relevant or familiar. That's what it's really doing. And what we need to do in the beginning of the cold call is we need to say who we are, our company, and then provide you know, a few words to create a mental picture of our company, what it does in a way that's familiar to them. So it, with you know, phone ready leads or with phone burner, I'll use that example because it's top of mind right now. If I'm calling a sales leader that I know they have a sales team, right? I'm going to say phone burner, and then I'm going to say we're a power dialer for outbound reps. It's going to make total sense to this person. They don't have to burn any mental calories to form that mental picture. They have that mental picture, so now they're not distracted trying to figure anything out. So I can continue talking, and they're with me. Okay, this is what happens when you don't establish relevant clarity in the beginning of the call. What happens is you ask if you're using a permission-based opener, if you ask them if they have a minute or whatnot, you get this long pause, and they're like, uh, sure, or they'll say, uh, where are you calling from again? They're completely confused. And you just yep. explained where you were calling from and they didn't listen because they were hung up on a lingering question. Really, really important to do this. It's also the same reason why you don't want to be too familiar with, with in your tonality when you say your name in the beginning of the call. You know, if you listen to Ryan's calls, he's really good at that. It sounds elegantly busted, right? He'll slow down he'll say his name. He'll slow down, make it so he doesn't have to repeat it again. It's like if you walk up to anybody and you just throw a basketball at their face when they're not expecting it, it's going to hit them right in the face. 
what Ryan's doing is he's holding the basketball up in, in front of them and going like this first. And they're doing that by slowing down in the beginning. Hi, uh, my name's first and last name using a tonality that conveys they don't know who you are. So you're avoiding that lingering question. So you're just trying to avoid lingering questions in the beginning of the call, give them a clear mental picture. And then you can go into this framework and get real, actually get through the call into questions and get the prospect talking. And it, it works most of the time. Nothing works hundred percent of the time, but this actually works most of the time. Yep. Try it. And the, 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 this, this goes right into the start, stop, repeat framework yep. that we've been uh, running on these shows where we talk about these gates, right? So that first gate that Woodward is talking about right now, when you're establishing relevant clarity, if you're getting hung up on people, not even allowing you to continue for yeah. all these examples that Woodward has explained here, um, well, then you want to readdress that. And sometimes it's, uh, it might even be eliminating this concept. Sometimes it's adding it, you know, in some, in some types of campaigns, setting too much clarity. Like for example, let's use the phone burner example. Maybe phone burner wants to have more conversations with teams, not just about the power dialing solution. It is their core feature, but um, uh, they want to talk about more like workflow engagement and like inside and keeping, you know, management on place and coaching and develop reps. Like maybe that's something they would want to go after like a sales enablement person versus a, a sales leader. If you put that, we're a power dialer for salespeople with that audience, they can be like, oh, no, we're good. We don't need a dialer, right? We already have yeah. something versus, well, check out this thing that keeps us in the flow state. And so if you're using the same phraseology to get into every conversation and you're, you're setting the wrong context, it can be harmful. And that's why you want to measure these things. Yeah. Um, and there's some questions streaming in here about permission-based openers, when to use them, when not to use them. Um, and this is all uh, going to depend on a lot of factors, but who you be as a seller, who you yeah. represent, at the organization you work for, and then who you're targeting, you know, for that message and offer. And finally, where they're at in that stage of the understanding of what you intend to deliver in that conversation. So if it's a truly cold call to a new audience, like there's a couple different gates you have to get through. And the very first one is who the heck is this, as we're talking about, who is yeah. this? Do I know you or not? What is this about? Do I care about it or not? Like if you can't answer those questions without having to answer those questions, you're setting yourself up for failure. You're spending so much time trying to get through. Mm -hmm. No, sorry. What is this about? Who are you? What is this? Like if you're in that trap, you should try some of these things we're talking about today. And, and you know, these two tactics that's what we're just shared now, go back to the last one with relevant clarity. And today with this BS framework, it really should start helping you set yourself up for getting through more of those gates. And eventually getting through to what we call completions, which is what it's all about, right? Yeah. Building awareness, gathering information, and then setting the next stage for the reason or the intent of my outreach in the first place. So, um, Woodward, this is fantastic. I don't know if there's any other points you want to make or we can bring in a guest. Well, I just want to double click. I, I want to double click on this again, just because mm -hmm. it's the most important thing. Uh, if you don't establish that relevant clarity in the beginning of the call, everything that we're talking about right now doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter right. at all. And that's, that, there's no other way to say it. Um, if the beginning of your, of your call, when you say your company and you explain what it does, has any words in it, like optimize or streamline, it's not going to work. Those words don't mean anything to anyone because they don't help them form a mental picture because they're overused, they're business speak. They don't really always mean the same thing. So you want, you want to, you want to overthink this. This is the part you want to overthink and you want to plan it out. When you, when you say what your company does, 
you know, in as little, you know, four or five words at the most, you want to use words that, you know, your persona is going to be able to immediately understand without burning any mental calories, mental picture, boom, immediately, no mental calories burn. Think about how you can do that. Um, and then that's it. You know, the power dialer for outbound reps makes total sense to a VP of sales, right? I didn't say, you know, we, uh, we have a streamlined platform for managing your email text and also auto dialing, uh, in a way that builds momentum behind marketing and aligns, you know, that doesn't mean shit to anyone. So you have to, you have to really think this through. And if you get this content from marketing, it's usually going to be something you're going to have to make some changes to for this application. Okay. That's another important thing. When I go into companies and I look at call scripts, a lot of it is brought in and sort of pasted in from marketing. You know, just look at any company's website. The way they talk about their product is not the way you talk to a prospect directly when you're doing outbound. Most of the folks listening to this probably know that, but it's really worth double clicking that because everything we're talking about today doesn't matter without that. Correct. Uh, and if you're <laughs> not getting past hello, yeah. um, you know, you really want to make sure you're in good shape. And this isn't a set it and forget it exercise either. You just, I mean, you're stressing a point that I try to make often in the show, which is if you don't have your message literally written out, Right? Yeah. You don't have your, your, your phraseology ready to go. Uh, you're just winging it on your calls. And if you're running call sessions where you're bouncing from persona to persona to persona to persona, it, you're, you're really setting yourself up for a, a challenging time calling, right? You know, list and message alignment is so key. And then even within that, as we're talking about something that sounds like, okay, I get it. But like, if you're not getting past those gates, you're, you're never going to get into the, the reason for, or the intent of your outbound in the first place. And yeah. so, uh, helping, helping you get into a position where you can get past a low and then now move into this, you know, okay, what do you do or how can I help you? Uh, we, we, we've provided, uh, two, two really powerful, uh, resources that if you go back and, and really take some time to develop for yourself, you'll, you'll start to see the needle move up and to the right. And to your point, Woodward, you know, nothing's going to be a hundred percent, but yeah. uh, these tactics are, are going to be a little bit better than zero. So yeah, try them and see how it goes. Yeah. absolutely. Um, so do we have any volunteers today who want to pop in here and share what they're doing today with their outbound? So this, we don't need to run the uh, start, stop, repeat, but uh, this session is more about script breakdown. Uh, it looks like we have our first volunteer coming in now, Richard. Double R, I can get I can get behind that. That's you. <laughs> Richard, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Hi, oh, Richard. Fantastic. Welcome to the show. Thank you. To set um, some context for for folks uh, before we get into your your uh, yeah. messaging today, who who is Richard? Uh, where are um, you calling in from? And I'm calling in <clears throat> calling in from Boston. Uh, I'm with a software company called Alpha Software, and we let uh, companies take their paper forms and turn them into mobile apps in a few hours. M I actually have a question for you guys. The opening, the very opening stuff where you give people a chance to say, well, no, I don't have time. I is that best practices? You know, you say, do you have time now? Isn't it an easy out for the prospect to say no. And if they say no, then you sort of are being rude 
and annoying if uh, you continue. So I guess I, I'm really interested in getting your thoughts on that. Go ahead, Woodward. You can start, and then I can provide my feedback too. Hey, look, that's a great that's a great question. If if I asked you at that point of a call in a call, if you were interested in something, you, the answer is always going to be no. So that's that's number one. The right. way that um, you can effectively diffuse that, I mean, the per permission-based opener is effective for a lot of reasons, because if you follow it with silence, you can establish the control position on the call, okay? Um, in the beginning of the call, if you provide context before the yes question, so do you have a minute as an example is a yes question? And if you, if you basically just, it's so simple, if you provide context before that yes question by just saying, you know, I'm just calling with a question. Do you have a minute? And you arch downward with your tonality on minute and you follow it with silence. Usually the prospect is going to say yes. Where you're going to get resistance is if in the beginning, if you didn't give them relevant clarity and you said, you know, do you have a minute without giving them proper context that you're just calling with a question? And if you use an upward tonality, like, do you have a minute? That's, you know, that's the, the subconscious flag for a pesky sales call. It's a pattern they're used to hearing and they're going to mm -hmm. deflect from that. Um, I'm trying to pull something up on my screen that'll illustrate this point here. Just give me a second. Ryan, you can you can fill in some blanks there while I'm doing that, if you don't mind. Yeah, and so Richard, I mean, best practices, uh, that, that's a subjective, um, you know, any, anyone's opinion on that is going to be subjective, right? So best practices for you are, you know, going to be different for me. But um, for the most part, a permission-based opener provides a sales rep the best opportunity to get past hello when somebody yeah. is indeed busy. Uh, for, from my work making lots and lots of calls over the years, I test all sorts of different openers. And what I find is that if somebody truly is busy um, and I haven't asked if now's a good time to talk or not, uh, I don't get anywhere anyway. And uh, when I do ask if now's a good time to talk and they truly are busy, I can gracefully exit that call and call them back. And the power of that follow-up when you respected their time gives me a much higher probability of getting through okay. this concept of a completion. So what most sales reps fail to understand is that when they're cold calling, most often they're so thirsty for someone to pick up because no one picks up. That's their problem. But the reality yeah. is somebody who picks up the phone tends to pick up the phone again and again and again and again. So this is not M&M, you know, eight mile. You don't only have one shot, one opportunity. And if I'm a professional seller, I would rather just say, hey, that's not a problem. I'll try it back and document that. Hey, last time I, when you pick up again, Richard, last time we spoke, that's how you open the next time. Last time we spoke, it sounded like it was the worst possible time. Do you have a minute now? You're going to get an, an opportunity more often than not at that stage. If it truly was a brush off or um, uh, an objection in the first place, now you can get it because if they say, no, I'm busy again, you go, that's not a problem. Sounds like I'm catching you at the worst possible time. Do you mind if I just share a little bit of context of why I'm reaching out and you can let me know if it's worth following up again or not? So that's what I've found to be super successful and why I'm an advocate for a permission-based opener because if someone truly is busy, you're never going to get past hello anyway. Yeah. yeah. That, that's the reality. <clears throat> no, that's a good, um, Ryan, that, that makes, and uh, especially the point about um, <clears throat> If they're busy and you're respectful, then there's sort of an, a sense of obligation that next time, um, if they, you know, there's an increased probability they'll talk to you. I mean, you know, it's, it's dramatic, Richard. The data the data shows that someone who picks up the phone 
tends to pick up the phone, phone again. So if your average connect rate is, say, 5%, you yeah. know, it takes 100 dials to talk to people, a follow-up list, someone who's picked up before, is going to be like 25%, okay? So right. your, your likelihood of getting them on the phone again is very high. Uh, and and more, more important than that is if your conversion rate on a cold call is, let's say, 10%, yeah. Your follow-up, your follow-up could be two to three times that. Yeah. So if you do the math on that, I can have a conversation every four dials versus every 20 on my follow-up. And right. I can convert, I can convert uh, a conversation uh, of those conversations um, every, f uh, let's say three to five versus every 10. And so if you combine those two, you're giving yourself about a 10 to 15 X increase in efficiency. Right. Uh, hey, Ryan, I, I have a related question to this. So the, you speak to the guy and you say, do you have time for this? And uh, he says, no. And then you say, okay, um, I'll let you continue doing and I'll reach back out to you. If you send an email after that saying, hey, uh, thanks for picking up. Uh, appreciate you busy. Uh, just to let you know, I'm planning on calling you next day or whenever you're going to call them uh you know is that okay with you so you're asking kind of you're starting to build a rapport does that make a difference or just actually does it hurt i wouldn't i wouldn't compound the email on a we call that a connect incomplete meaning hey they're busy you didn't even get past hello they don't know any context yet i wouldn't lose my bullet on having a deeper dynamic conversation via the phone versus somebody that just responds via email after that says no uh, uh i'm good i'm not interested not interested yeah. in what you haven't really had an opportunity to connect again yeah. going back to the going back to the the data and i obsess over this stuff uh is if i know you pick up you tend to pick up again so i'm not worried about getting you back on the line okay. and okay. if i take good notes um i don't need to i don't need to give you an opportunity to tell me that you're not interested in another channel yet i know that you yeah. are reachable on this channel and the next time, if I if I reference a specific date and time, it'll set some some. Okay, this is this is legit. We did maybe speak before, and now to to the earlier point, you're getting yourself a better shot of getting through to yeah. completion. So, so then one one final question. I don't want to hog the whole uh, webinar, but um, since most calls end up in voicemail, do you have any advice on what kind of message to leave on voicemail or do you not even leave a message? What's the, what do you find works best? Yeah. So, uh, so Woodworking can share his feedback on this too, because he has a different approach to some of this stuff. But for me, um, the data shows that if somebody's going to pick up the phone, about 80% of a list will pick up within five attempts. So if I'm calling someone for the first five times, I don't leave a voicemail, I don't do anything. I don't want to leave a breadcrumb. Just like if, if you picked up and hung up on me, I don't want to leave a breadcrumb wreck because I haven't gotten to a completion. So in the first five attempts, uh, I wouldn't leave any voicemails. This I wouldn't leave messages with gatekeepers and operators. I just say that's not a problem. I'll try back. I'll try back. Yeah. Once I if I know you pick up, you pick up again and again. I don't I don't need to worry about that. But if 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 you haven't picked up at that point, I would then start to try to compound my phone conversation voicemail into like an email or a social, um, you know, multi-touch or a combo strategy. And yeah. uh, Woodward, you can talk a little bit about some of the things you do with your your campaign campaigns kits there, if you'd like, on how you're using voicemail to um, enable some of the other channel outreach that you might be doing. 
Yeah, I, mean, I agree with what Ryan said. If if you're doing, um, if you if you want the approach to be, you know, a call only approach, or you really want to make sure that you're not doing anything other than calls until you've tried enough times to get them on the phone. Um, yeah. But if you if you're also combining it with email, for example, and you get a voicemail, there's two things that um, I find very effective to do with voicemail. The first one is is to get rid of the idea that the goal of the voicemail is to get the prospect to call you back. There's no ROI well, on that. That's not going to happen. No. So don't. So save save you know 15 seconds in the voicemail by having to repeat your number twice. Um, you want to put a human behind your approach. Um, you don't want to do any pitching in the voicemail. And the goal now is is to draw their attention to an email that you're going to send, and you're, you're positioning the fact that you're sending it as a courtesy. Um, and then you're going to set what's called a mini contract, which is basically um, as a courtesy. Uh, feel free to let me know. My info will be in the email, but in any case, I can try you back again in a couple of days to see if you've had a chance to take a look. So when I call back, they know, they believe that I'm going to call back because I just called, right? I drew sure. their attention to an email that I just sent. The it doesn't look like persistence, it's like courtesy, the way I positioned it. And when I call back in three days, the reason for my call isn't because I'm following up. The reason for my call is because I said I would. That's a great way to start a call. You know, I, I sent you a note a couple of days ago, and I promised that I'd try to catch you at some point today. I, I don't expect you had a chance to take a look yet. And then you go quiet. Go for no, because you want them to be feel completely comfortable saying, no, I haven't had a chance to take a look. You don't want any resistance there. So go for no. Um, if they have taken a look, great, they'll tell you that. But if they haven't, what you want to do is preserve the ability to resend it and then call them back again in a couple of days. You want to avoid the, I'll let you know if interested. You want to keep control position over the entire interaction. So go for no when you, when you get them on the phone, when you're following up. So the voicemail sounds like this in that example. Um, relevant clarity, I'm calling with blank. We're a power dialer for outbound reps. You want to use that example. Um, the reason for my call, three words, an observation about them. Tell you what I'll do. I'll, um, I'll go ahead and send you an email now with a little bit more background to see if this is something that you'd be open to chatting with me about. Um, my info's in there, but feel free to let me know. In any case, I'll try to you back again in a couple of days to see if you had a chance to take a look. Bye. That's it. Okay. Send an email. Yep. Yeah. No, that's good. Thank you, Greg. You're welcome. All right, Richard, thank you for jumping in on the show. Uh, let's see if we have another guest here uh, with uh, the last few minutes here, and then we'll open up for more q a brad welcome to the show hey brad uh, just... hi ryan hey ryan hey greg how are you doing good good brad, a little I, context um, where are you calling in from and who you work for yeah i'm calling uh i'm, I'm calling in from a company called cognizant uh so oh, you're repping okay. the repping the hat already there ryan i actually um i, I the, we've, we've done this before one of the, the stop start ones and uh, that yep. went quite well so i thought i'd hop back on and uh, see if you've got any any more uh any more tips for me so um yeah, yeah. How how can I start? Just start with my opener, or yeah, it'd be awesome if you are open to it. Let's walk through your framework. Let's let's mock yeah. a call. I won't I won't I won't grill you on the start stop repeat, but we have Woodward <laughs> here now, so we can look at what you're doing today and maybe offer some suggestions around bringing in some more BS to your framework to see if that helps <laughs> you out here. If you like, okay, uh, yeah, amazing. That'd be great. So, do you actually have your script written out as well? Or is this uh, uh, I, yeah, when I started, I wrote it out. I think now from making 100 calls a day for however many days, it's sort of imprinted on the back of my eyelid. So I'm uh, I'm happy to jump straight in if you guys are. Do it. Yeah, we can, we can definitely do it. Hey, this is Ryan. Ryan. Hey, um, I'm going to be I'm going to be honest with you. This is actually a cold call. Do you, do you want to hang up now? Give me 30 seconds and then decide. Uh, you got a couple minutes. I, I respect the hustle. 
What do you got? Oh, a couple of minutes. <laughs> Appreciate it, right? Well, you know, typically when I speak to sales directors like yourself, they normally tell me perhaps they're frustrated. You know, the team have got all, all the gear they need to succeed. They're just not speaking to as many decision makers as they as they could be. And Ryan, they normally tell me it's one of three things, right? Either one, they don't know who to speak to in the companies they're targeting. Two, even if they know exactly who to speak to, they can't get numbers or emails for those people. Or actually, sometimes they've got all of that in place. It's just not giving them the results they would have hoped for. Maybe wrong numbers, emails, that sort of thing. But um, I've got a funny feeling, Ryan, you're probably going to tell me now not a word there really applies in, in your world for your team. All right, I'll stop there. Um... Thanks for sharing that with you, uh, with with us. Uh, let's uh, let's take it to the the Woodward over here. What do you what do you think on the approach? Well, I'm just uh, keep looking down, just so I'm taking notes. I don't think I'm not listening. <laughs> no. Um, who's the persona? Is it a sales leader that you're calling in that example? Yeah, uh, in that example, yeah, yeah. Okay. They tend to be a little bit more playful, so the intro in that case um, would probably be okay. I mean, just everybody has their own style. You have a nice delivery style, so. If you took that script and gave it to someone who had a more mechanical delivery style, it would be a disaster. Yeah. Just the intro yeah, would be. Yeah. It would sound yeah. awkward and weird. You were fine with it. Um, if it weren't a sales leader, you know, I'm like, let's say, let's just make something up and say it was like an HR leader. I wouldn't use that mm -hmm. intro because it's starting with the word. You, you, you want to avoid the phrase to be honest. I mean, the way you used mm -hmm. it was a little different. So it was okay. But it, it basically will convey, it kind of jarred me a little bit if I were the prospect, but in this application, I guess it was okay. Um, I, I, I see what you were doing there. I mean, I, I think it was okay. I mean, it's not an approach that I would use just because my delivery style is different. Um, so I, you know, you, you were going for the way that you were asking questions was really disarming, I guess. I mean, because you were kind of going for no, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, is that disarming, is that disarming good or disarming bad? I no, it's think. good. It's good because, you know, if, if, to give you an example, you, this entire call, you're still dealing with an emotional decision process. So if you ask somebody point blank, if they're interested in something, it's a ton of resistance. Yeah. Any kind of question yeah. where you want the answer to be yes to is going to have a ton of resistance. It doesn't matter what the question is. Do you have a minute? We'll have a ton of resistance. So we use yeah. context to diffuse that, that yes question. In your case, you're using um, the way you're asking the question as a diffusing method. You know, you're, you're basically going for no. I don't mm -hmm. suppose, or I don't expect that make yeah. it easy for them to say no, but keep them in the conversation. Um, Ryan, what did you think? I'm curious. Yeah, so so the framework you're running right now, Brad, is uh, very Sandler-esque. Sandler, Sandler -esque. Um, The folks at Sandler that I do a live show with uh, run a very similar framework, and I, I really enjoy it. Um, I, heard your, I heard your use of but there on that transition at the end, too, into the, the question, which was great. I'm not sure if there's a way to think about trying to add in some of the but so's when you move through yeah. the three statements you have. And if you were to go back and look at what we shared today and see if you can layer it in there, there's a stage in there where I was getting a little bit lost yeah. on maybe the second use case, right? When you start to say like, I'm already tooled up and I was like, yeah. okay, okay, get to the point. So <laughs> layering in a but and a so there might actually work pretty well. Um, but I, I think just like in our start, stop, repeat session that we had done together, what I love about your approach is that it is you. It feels authentic. Yeah, uh, you've got a lot of energy and it's not forced, right? It's, it's for the right person, very conversational. That monologue section, which is what we're here to talk about today, is a little bit long. 
Yep. And if you're if, if you're finding that some folks you're, are getting lost halfway through, that may be interrupting you, like ah yeah we're good, you know that type of thing that might start happening. No yeah. no no yeah 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 yeah. Um, trying this this uh, layering in of some butts and some so's or a but and a so uh, before mm -hmm. you get to that last open minute question uh, might do you some justice. But but uh, I, I really do think that uh, that approach works pretty well. I see the Sandler guys pull it off uh, often, uh, and you're you're not as slow and deliberate as like Jake Alba who runs that thing, which yeah, can get yeah. really long. Um, <laughs> so layering, layering in that in there would be, uh, would be pretty powerful, but uh, that's the, Brad, that's what was the question you asked again at the end of, of the script? At the end, I said, I've, I've got a funny feeling. You're probably going to tell me now, not a word there really applies. Why'd you ask? Okay. No, I like that question. I mean, I, I was, I was wondering if we could use a question where you don't care what the answer is. But the mm, truth is, is okay. like, I don't think you should care what the answer is to that question, because if a word doesn't apply, then nobody's time to waste it. Um, well, and, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I like that question. I wouldn't change it. Oh, I no, I appreciate that. And, and actually, um, this is really useful because I, I have had a few instances, especially if you're speaking to I, I completely agree. First off, Greg, that if I was speaking to someone from HR, they would absolutely yeah. tell me, no, I don't want to I don't want to deal with a cold call. I even get it with marketing people. Sometimes we target marketers and they they don't they don't respond to it. But sales leaders but, um, appreciate it. They appreciate yeah, it. They, so. You know, the, 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 the most common response from that one with a sales leader is a chuckle and, and go on yeah. something like what Ryan gave me. But um. You know, my, my question would be is how do I, because I've got three issues, right, that I'm solving, which is they don't know who to speak to. They know who to speak to, but can't get mobiles, or maybe they're dealing with wrong mobiles. How can I, or, or cell phones, how can I reduce that um, so that actually I'm getting a couple points across that I can loop back around with questions later to keep a conversation moving, but actually I'm not, I'm not losing you guys how you were talking about, how you were talking about as it is now. If I understand correctly, the question, um, the prospects. I didn't very well. <laughs> no, no, you did. It just takes me a while to process things in my head. The the prospects are. It, it's the point. The prospects are having an issue, uh, a problem with mobile. They they don't know how to get mobile. Is that? Yeah. Uh, um. So like cell phones, emails, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a question that you don't care what the answer to is if you phrase it correctly. Mm. Okay. I mean, you, that's that that would actually be worth thinking. about. I mean, if you don't really care what the answer is if you phrase it correctly, I mean, I could phrase it in a way where you do care what the answer is. Um, but that would be a good one because if that's a, if that's a pain point that, that, you know, most of the prospects that you're approaching are having, you can position it in an open-ended question and just ask them and it'll get them talking. Okay. And then you can, you can acknowledge part of what they said, and then you can give them an example of a case study or just, just one value point about someone else. If it, if the value is about someone else, I'm not directing it at you. There's, there's really less, there really is no resistance, but certainly much less, if any, because I'm not trying to influence you directly and you're still yeah. dealing with that emotional decision process. You know, that's, that's yeah, the, yeah. the idea. Yeah. Brian, do you okay. have anything to fill in on that? Well, I think if you take some of the feedback from, if you're trying to t incorporate some of the stuff from Woodward's approach, right? The first thing that you'd want to think about is how can you set some relevant clarity at the front mm -hmm. of the conversation around, mm -hmm. The, the, the pain like cognizant is what right you're you're providing um mobiles uh, emails yeah you know contact information for yeah. sales teams like like the, the mo like come up with a again you got to take some time to really get that right for each persona but try to see if you can have a relevant clarity statement there to, to set it like okay i get what this is cognizant we are the preferred data vendor that's too 
buzzwordy anyway, but we are the data vendors for sales, teams, <laughs> right? Whatever, yeah, right? Yeah. We provide we provide great data for sales teams or something like that. And um, maybe great's not even the right word there, but you get my point. Yeah. Now, once you've set the clarity, as you get into your um, the value pitch section of this, which you're basically saying, when I speak to someone, they're they're layering out these problem statements. You mm -hmm. can you can try to move that back into more of the kind of you know how. Um, you know, you know how this is what most people have to deal with over here. It's like that. It's very similar to the ex experience that uh, Woodward already, or the example Woodward shared with phone rate leads, which is, hey, most of the teams we're selling, we talked to today, you know, in your segment, you know, they, it takes 35 dials to talk to one person for uh, with us. It's only four. So you could, okay. you could, you could whittle that down to say most of the sales teams we're working with, they just don't have all the contact information they need to get conversations started. Cognizant, we solve that through X, Y, and Z. Let me mm -hmm. pause there. I'm, I'm guessing you're going to tell me right now that you have all the data possible so that your reps are in a bunch of conversations, right? Or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, so, and you like can that. position it like, like, you know, most of the companies we work with, you know, with the fragmented work environment, some people are doing hybrid, some people are working remotely now. They're, they're not getting that, that clean data set on access numbers, you know? Yep. So we're providing, we're filling in that gap with, with relevant mobile data. Um, and then you turn that into a question and just say, look, I mean, is I'm, I, I'm imagining that your personas are probably a mixture of all remote. Are, are you mainly calling cell phones at this point? Yep. Okay. And just, and then as you tell, say, you don't, you don't care yes. about that answer. Yeah. Yeah. If the answer is no, then ask, then ask them another question. You don't really care what yep. the answer is, but the answer is going to be yep. yes. Um, if you know that that's, well, it is. Cause I, I can tell you that if you don't have mobile numbers right now in your B2B, you're, you're, you're in a real tough spot. Um, <laughs> I know that for a fact, just more, like you do. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to think if I've got, got it. Well, uh, another question would be is where, you know, if I did lose you in that monologue there, whereabouts was it? I know Ryan, you mentioned, and um, whereabouts was it that I was losing you and how could I prevent that? Ryan? Well, for me, it's it's about that second when you were going through the monologue. It's about the yeah. second problem where it's like, okay, yeah. I get it. Like, you know, if the first one resonated with me, I'd be in. If it didn't, I, I, you're going to definitely lose me by the second one. Um, okay. If I'm if your if your shot's a little bit off, um, that's where I feel the tension a little bit. And so, trying to condense that a little bit more with, again, you know, who who you are, like the 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 clarity around why you're calling, and then the way that Woodward's BS framework works is you're using a customer story with like proof point, like inside that monologue versus, versus like the problem, 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 stop point. So yeah. if you can somehow condense it into, you know, here's what we do, here's the problem we solve. And for example, like this, and then stop mm -hmm. with the question that will allow you to break that up a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not saying you have to make that move. I think that if you if you use the strategic but and a so in the transition between the two of them, yep. you might you you might be able to keep them around for a little bit, right? Yeah. So I, I speak with sales leaders often, and they tell me a couple of things. The first is boom, but other times they tell me, yeah, yeah, exactly. Such and such. So it, from time to time, um, that results in this, and I'm going to stop there. You know, but if yeah. I might, I'd have to look at that a little bit, but yeah, it's hard for me to answer the question without seeing the script up, but I, I think I, I heard a button in there, I, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. It was, it was, was when you went to the question, which is yeah. what popped for me too. I was like, but I've got a feeling. Yeah. 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 I mean, so 
if I had the script up on the screen, I could provide a little bit better accurate feedback than this. But I think I think the what Ryan is saying is is just try and cut it up a little bit more with one more but or one more so and and anything that's not critical, take it out just to try and shorten it. Um, but it's it's I found it to be relatively digestible. I did lose you in the middle, but it you know, granted, in your defense, I was listening for for like four or five different things and taking notes while you were doing it. So I was kind of <laughs> distracted anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, your, your delivery style really works with that approach. Um, I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. And that's an important point to make because uh, if, if you took a script that worked really well for me and you handed it to someone else that has a different delivery style, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not a good fit for them, you know? And, and so you have to adapt things to the way that you sound. And the best way to do that is listen to your call recordings. It's just to kind of hear what your range is and what, what sounds you know, elegant coming out with your delivery style on a script and making changes to that script to fit it. Most people don't do that and they should. Yeah, I, I mean, we work on a, a, you know, there's 50 people in our team and they're all trying different styles and you think that that person's definitely wouldn't work with that person's approach. So I think it's, once you've found something that works for you and you're confident and you're confident delivering that, you have some success, yeah. there's still always room for refinement. I mean, this is what learning from you two is, is really helpful with. So thank you for, thank you for the yeah. tips. Awesome. Yeah. Th thanks for jumping on, Brad. Uh, keep up the great work and, and report back on how things go. If you, if yeah, you thanks, share, Ryan. Share, share something over. Uh, I'm always available, brother. Thanks for popping yeah, on. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you. So we're going to, I think there's only three minutes left here as I see a clock chatting down. Uh, there's uh -oh. a couple of Q&A questions here uh, that will pop into the, the show and uh, try to get maybe one or two of these answered. And then um, maybe we'll have to have Woodward back in a future show because there's just went by so fast. So uh, we don't need to read this out uh, word, word for word, but I'm mostly dealing with startups. They just hang up once you introduce yourself. So my question, should a sales call sound like a sales with an intro like this, or should I approach them beforehand like a WhatsApp message? Um, perfect question. So basically, you're asking if you can use another channel to warm up your cold call, which I talk about often. My personal opinion on this is no. Uh, there's no I, There's no... No warming up a conversation. What's happening right now is, as what we try to address in the show, is that your introduction is either not setting proper relevant clarity, or yeah. you're 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 coming through way too salesy at out the beginning, and you're getting yeah. hung up on. Um, so using another channel to warm up a sales conversation is, it's like a, I, I think it's like a unicorn. It doesn't really exist. But Woodward, I'm happy to have you answer what your thoughts are here. You know, people call startups all the time. I mean, the, the, my 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 guess, which I'm pretty sure, certain about, if you're getting hung up on at scale, I mean, it, it's happening often. Um, it's it's a combination of what you're saying and how you're saying it. You know, when we pick up the phone, you do this too. I do this. Everybody does. Our subconscious spinning around trying to assess what this is. Do I know this person? Is it relevant to me? Is it a pesky sales call? And if it sounds like a pesky sales call then you, you've automatically just inherited the baggage associated with the, how that makes that person feel. And the call's over. Um, the way that it would sound that way is if you uh, sounded too buttoned up, um, you rushed through your name, they didn't catch it, and then you were using salesy tonality. So it, let, me, let me put it to you this way. If you basically just said, hi, this is Greg with Woodward Strategies. Do you have a minute? You're going to get hung up on every single time. In fact, if I made that call and spoke with 100 people, every single one of them would hang up on me. Um, and the reason why is because... I didn't give them any relevant clarity and I used a, a salesy tonality. 
versus saying, you know, adding in some context before the yes question and giving them relevant clarity and then stating my full name using a tonality that conveys to them that they don't know who I am. So I'm avoiding that lingering question. Sounds like this. Hi, uh, my name's Greg Woodward. I'm a consultant based in DC. I'm just calling with a question. Do you have a minute? And then I go silent, arching downward on minute, going silent, gives me the control position on the call. Nothing works 100% of the time, but that usually works. And it's really just a function of arching downward with your tonality on the yes question, giving them a little bit of context before asking the yes question, and then giving them relevant clarity about what you are, what you represent in the very beginning of the call. That's all it is. So the short answer is, is, is if you just focus in, hyper-focus in on the intro only and getting that perfect, you're going you're gonna to fix your problem. Right in time. Boom. I think this, I think we just ended. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we will see you in two weeks for another live cold calling. Um, and hopefully we can get Woodward back in the future. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Happy calling.